Welcome to The Square, your podcast from the Iowa League of Cities, bringing you current and important topics from around the state to your town square with our hosts, Mickey Shields, the Director of Membership Services, and Katie Wheeler, the League's Business Relations Coordinator. Our hosts bring you topics that matter to your town square. And welcome back to another episode of The Square. This is Mickey Shields with Iowa League of Cities and joined by the one and only Katie Wheeler. Katie, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you today, Mickey? Not too bad. We are recording in mid-April, and about, I don't know, 10 days ago, we had a stretch there of, I think about got to 80 degrees in Des Moines, back-to-back days, and I felt like, okay, summer's coming. And now we're like in the, stuck in this stretch of 50-degree weather. I'm getting pretty frustrated. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. Me too. No, it's, I'm ready for the warm weather. And yeah. speaking of that, I have to ask, I don't, many of our listeners might not know, but Mickey Shields is a baseball enthusiast and he is <laughs> coaching his son's team this year. How's your, how's your team? We are, we're doing well. Thanks for uh, embarrassing me. Um, <laughs> we are one, one and one so far. It's our first year of travel baseball, which is, uh, it's been interesting to watch the kids because uh, we actually keep score and we have real lineups with nine fielders and 10 batters and pitchers throwing to catchers and all the, you know, drop third yep. strikes and stolen bases. And yes, um, we were as, as coaches and parents, we were pretty freaked out <laughs> on making this leap because a lot of these kids have just basically played, you know, T-ball and, and stuff like that, where it's a lot of hands-on and that's what they need. But they have actually, uh, I think exceeded our expectations so far we haven't been totally embarrassed <laughs> we had, we have, but we're still waiting for uniforms <laughs> that's the other thing that's kind of funny we're the bad news bears right now in our league <laughs> and we haven't had a tournament yet but we uh got word from one of the tournament directors we're going to play in a tournament here in a few weeks and uh they, we have to have uniforms in order to play in the tournament so you know, small yeah, details small, exactly we may be like using a Sharpie to put numbers on the back of gray shirts here soon, but we'll make, <laughs> we'll make it work. Oh, uh, awesome. So what, yeah. And uh, while we're at it, we might as well tell the listeners about the athletic prowess in your family. It seems like every time we talk, your, girl, your girls are winning gold medals in gymnastics or softball or whatever. <laughs> How are they doing? Yeah. We've been, we've been to a lot of tumbling meets the <laughs> last several months. We're, still going yeah they're doing good though it's fun to watch it's fun to find stuff your kids are interested in yeah that's for sure yeah no kidding so what's going on at the league well we have a lot coming up actually we have a nuisance abatement conference on may 12th and uh in denison and uh, people can register now Uh, our small city workshops will be held in june and there will be information on our website on, on that as well in the meantime the legislative session continues to roll on and we, can, we, are, we have our, our team, government affairs team of Robert Palmer and Daniel Stalder, Stalder at the Capitol every day, uh, tracking all the things that are important. There's been a lot of legislative proposals out there that affect cities. Uh, unfortunately, some of them aren't so good for cities, and we're trying to inform our membership about the, what would happen if some of these laws were passed. So stay tuned with that, with Legislative Link, as always. Um, the other thing, too, that, Katie, you're in charge of this one, and that's our golf fundraiser which we're, we missed out on yes. last year, unfortunately, due to COVID, but we're happy to have it back. When is that going to happen? June 11th in Ankeny at the Otter Creek Golf Course. And registration is actually open. So if you are interested, you can definitely go to our website and sign up for that. 
I'm certain it will be a beautiful day and it'll be nice to yes. get out and network. Um, and it's for a really good cause. It The fundraiser is for the Tim Shields Endowment Fund. And do you want to tell our listeners what that is about? Sure. Is some guy that used to work some for guy, you know, <laughs> some, it's Mickey's dude. dad. <laughs> He, uh, he uh, worked for the Institute of, of Public Affairs at University of Iowa for many years. And uh, a lot of the work they did there when, when he was the director was strategic planning and goal setting and um, a lot of troubleshooting, you could say, for cities all over the state, uh, especially smaller communities, uh, but really almost any city out there uh, they worked with. And uh, it, somehow, despite despite him, his personality he must have left a good uh, good impression on a number of folks because after he passed away in 20, 2004, the league put together a, or helped put together an endowment to support local government training. So the funds that are collected each year, the fundraisers that we do on behalf of the endowment go right back out to training. And we've done it. The funds have been used for training for city managers, mayors, council members, uh, the leadership seminar at the league's annual conference, uh, which was something that uh, my dad was always really passionate about was leadership. And so uh, it, it does go to a good cause. So hopefully we can get a lot of people to come out and support it. And most importantly, enjoy one another. We've, uh, a lot of us mm -hmm. have missed out on all sorts of events in our work lives and our personal lives. And we're starting to see, I think, a little bit of some return to normalcy. And the golf outing, I think, will be one of those events where you can really hopefully get out to Ankeny and, and relax and enjoy each other. Have you golfed yet this year? I haven't. This is crazy. It's April. I, that's April, like a rarity and I, for you. It is. I'm a terrible golfer, but I still love the game. And normally by now I've played at least one round, if not a couple. Um, but between baseball and the cold weather, I just really haven't had a great day had for it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yep. I, know. I get it's it. Sad, well, good. But... Well, hopefully, like I said, June 11th in Ankeny, it will be a beautiful day. I'm certain of it. Yes, yeah, summer is going to happen at some point. And a little teaser, I think the next episode, we're going to talk about our summer travel plans. Katie and I are going to share some vacation tips for you all. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> right, I, Katie? I didn't even know this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just dropping in uh, little nuggets here. All right. Well, as always, stay tuned with everything that the league is up to with our website, iowaleague.org, League Weekly, our e weekly e-newsletter. It comes out on Tuesday. Legislative link, of course, uh, is the wrap-up on Fridays on all the legislation that's important to cities and our Twitter and Facebook accounts as well. The main topic of this episode is nuisance abatement. Funny enough, we're having a nuisance abatement conference here pretty soon. So we wanted to uh, bring in a few folks that are doing some just amazing work in the city of Clinton on turning around uh, old, derelict, abandoned properties in some cases uh, that every city out there faces. I, I, I don't care where you're at, how big a city you're, you have, or how small it is, you're going to have nuisance property issues at some point in time. Uh, so it's something that every city out there deals with and really around the state, around the whole country, around the world. Uh, you're just going to run into these issues from time to time. And one thing that we always talk about is uh, whether you like it or not, as a city official, it's going to come to you. Um, because the city government, at least here in Iowa, uh, has a lot of powers to deal with these issues locally. And uh, it's not something that a lot of people would say is fun. 
uh, I still have not met a council member who has run for office on uh, the, the idea that they want to be the nuisance enforcer. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not exactly a desirable thing to do, but again, it, it needs to be done. So joining us in this episode, we have Rich Foley and Tammy Johnston from the city of Clinton, along with Pat O'Connell from the Lynch Dallas Law Firm. And I think they're all with us on the line right now. Are you guys all there? Yes, sir. We're here. Well, great. Thanks welcome for joining to the us. Square. Yeah, welcome to the square. Oh, go ahead, Katie. Okay, let's. We're going to start with some introductions. Rich and Tammy, do you want to share with our listeners what you do for the city of Clinton? Sure. Um, I'm Tammy Johnson, and I am a code enforcement officer out of the Clinton Police Department, and I do the uh, code enforcement for the north end of Clinton. Uh, my name is Rich Foley. I am also a code enforcement officer with Building and Neighborhood Services. I uh, do all rental inspections for the city of Clinton and also property maintenance code enforcement. I have to ask, how did the two of you get into this line of work? It was just dumped on me, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how city government tends to work. I was helping out and it just from helping out full time or to going from part time a few days a week to then just full time position. How about you, Rich? I'm uh, I'm actually a retired uh, police officer, 28 years in law enforcement, uh, a little over 22 years, 23 years with the city of Clinton and a position opened up um, with building and neighborhood services as an inspector code enforcement. So I retired from law enforcement to do code enforcement. <laughs> Not nice. often a, a path that we see, but I can see the, uh, I see, I can see why, at least to, in, in this area, you, you, you know, you could hopefully get to help turn around some properties and see some progress. Yeah, both positions, I had the opportunity to be involved in my community and, and help uh, improve it. Right, right. It's the name Very of the game. Cool. And as Mickey mentioned, we also have Pat O'Connell with Lynch Dallas, which Lynch Dallas is one of our partner programs. And Pat is also joining us today. Pat, how about you? Well, when I came to the position, I guess, as city attorney for the city of Clinton, I am deeply involved in the in the uh, code enforcement aspect of what we do there. So I, I represent a number of cities across Iowa, and Clinton's my, actually my hometown, and I probably do more work in Clinton than anywhere. Right. I was going to say Clinton is an older community along the river, and as you probably know, all of the communities along the river have problems with older infrastructure, and so we've got a lot of these sixty to ninety thousand dollar homes. They're neglected. There's older buildings that are neglected, and Tammy and Rich are just busy all the time. Right, and that's actually a great segue into one of the first things we want to talk about because, as you said, Pat, and this is true across the country, river towns. Many of them have older infrastructure. They were some of the oldest cities, certainly here in Iowa. The, the cities along the Mississippi River are the oldest ones in our state. And while they are beautiful in many ways, and I love visiting them, you can see the old infrastructure, whether it's roads, bridges, uh, the utilities, but also the buildings and homes themselves. So what kind of issues have you all faced in Clinton in terms of nuisance properties and abandoned homes, abandoned buildings? Um, that really the city has, has has had to address here recently. We we've uh, have a lot of uh, abandoned buildings, homes. A lot of them are falling in just disrepair, and owners are walking away. A lot of them are bankruptcies and foreclosures. 
um, that we're seeing and trying to deal with. Yeah, I would I would add to that 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 it seems to us that you know it's complaint driven in a lot of ways. People will say you know there's there's people using meth or they're squatting in this building and then we get the complaint and then I don't see it oftentimes until a month or two down the road after the staff's been working on it. But I called Tammy the other day about a building and she was, I said, how are you? And she said, well, I'm all wet right now. <laughs> she was in a building that had a, a leaky, I don't know whether it was leaking through the roof or what, but she was all wet and was explaining this to me. And I, you know, I, I only see that when I go and do an inspection with another lawyer when they lawyer up, you know, and she's dealing with it every day. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. It tells well, you something when it's raining on the inside of the building more than it is on the outside. Yep. Oh, By boy. the time we're involved with a property, um, the deterioration of it is to the point that um, it's hard to bring that property around to life. As we all know, once a property becomes vacant and the utilities are cut off on it, um, they tend to, deteriorate rather quickly. Um, people don't realize how quickly that is. Um, and unfortunately, when we become involved, a lot of times it's, it's, a, it's a lot of legwork just to identify who owns the property and, and uh, try to save it before it's too late. Yeah, that's something that I think it's always a struggle for city governments is, is in, in that you're trying to get ahead because I think, as you all know, every city out there would love to never have to deal with any nuisance properties. I mean, that's, it's just, it's not a fun task and you'd rather, of, of course, have the property owners themselves maintain their property in a way that's compliant with a city code and also just keeping it vibrant uh, for their neighborhood and for the entire community, but they are bound to happen. And so how, first of all, maybe explain to our listeners how you do get, become aware of a nuisance property uh, violation, you know, just your minor things like maybe overgrown grass, but also the major ones where a building has got, gotten into derelict status or abandoned status. How do you uh, discover these issues and then start the nuisance abatement process? We get phone calls on our nuisance hotline. We have an OS ticket system that they can electronically enter it through the internet. Um, that goes to all of us code enforcement officers and uh, we find them ourselves, or the neighbors will call, or if we're there for another issue, Rich will get them when he's doing a rental inspection, the neighbor will come over and say, hey, three doors down, this house is vacant, it's fallen in disrepair. Our, our re residents have gotten very good about reaching out to us. Um, they know that the vacant abandoned buildings are there and they're finally calling and telling us. It used to be, they just maintained them. They would mm -hmm. mow the yard, shovel the sidewalk, we wouldn't know they were vacant. Um, oh, wow. until they were so bad that the roofs were collapsing. And now they are starting to step forward and call and say, hey, we don't want this anywhere because we're getting squatters. We're having a big issue with, with drug activity and that. So the residents have really stepped up and started to help out by notifying us of where they're at. Yes. And that's actually, that's amazing that some neighbors would actually mow the, each other's lawns and stuff, but, but eventually, you know, they can't do it all, of course. And, um, you know, the, the owner, it's the, it has to take care of it or, or not. And then it gets into a really tricky situation where especially the abandoned properties or vacant properties, uh, almost a sh uh, guaranteed you're going to need to utilize your city attorney. So Pat, uh, at what point do you enter the picture and start, ha you know, trying to track down a property owner and try to track down who to contact about potentially abating the nuisances or even acquiring some of these abandoned properties? We usually don't get involved directly until the 
the staff has attempted to abate the problem through the nuisance abatement process, which is our code section, which deals with notice regarding violations of the ordinance. And once that attempt has been made and those folks have missed their deadline to make corrective action, a file comes to us and we ask them to send us everything, all the photos they have, all the notices, and we usually take over at the point where we head to court on the municipal infraction process. Although there are some exceptions to that, we also handle tax certificate acquisitions and 657A10B actions. I guess it depends on which way the staff wants to go. If it's a property we want to acquire because we think we've got a developer waiting in the wings or maybe it's something that's so bad that we know we're going to end up demoing it anyway, yeah. we'll acquire it by 657A10B. Um, so we assist with all that stuff once it gets to the point where the staff can't. I mean, until you take somebody to court, if they're not going to comply, the only way to get them by the scruff of the neck is by having them come in front of a judge. And so that's when we get involved. The other thing, too, that we we always talk about in this abatement is beyond, you know, most of the time you're reacting. You're reacting to, uh, as you guys said, citizen complaints. Uh, the derelict property that you could see, you know, a block down the street that is roof missing, windows are gone, things like that, trash in the yard. But eventually, most cities, uh, anyways, would like to have some uh, proactive approach to nuisance abatement and, and nuisance properties. So what can you guys share about the planning that Clinton has done to revitalize neighborhoods and, and try to be a little bit more on the proactive side and prevent nuisance property issues from occurring? The city of Clinton has done uh, several programs in an attempt to revitalize. One of the things that, that I've been working with the partnership with the police department on is crime-free housing. And it's specifically identifying a criminal activity taking place on rental properties or even not rental properties. And then what we do is we work with the owners, we work with neighbors, identify these areas, and then it becomes a focus uh, serving notices ultimately on a rental side, the owner can lose the ability to rent that property if criminal activity continues. Um, if it's a owner-occupied structure, then what we look at is we look at ultimately turning it over to legal for municipal infraction for violation of um, the crime-free uh, component of our code. Um, the first thing that we did is um, we made sure we had good um, codes in place to allow us to go out and be effective in the enforcement. Yeah. And you can have the staff, but when, without the appropriate codes in place, um, your staff isn't going to be able to accomplish much. much. So the first thing we did was working with legal, uh, looking at what was successful in other municipalities. Um, we actually um, updated our codes, made sure our codes were in place um, to allow us to do the appropriate enforcement one of them being crime-free housing. Tammy was instrumental in starting, and she probably talked about that, um, Neighborhood Improvement Committee, and also working with um, ECIA on grants. And that's something that Tammy has more um, expertise in than I do. Yeah, Tammy, if you can share more about that, that'd be great. Yeah, the, the ECIA grants, um, we've got a lot of uh, different grants from them. One of them that we're working with is the uh, the gut rehab program where they got funding from the state. Um, and so far we have uh, completed three houses um, that we've acquired um, under 657A, like Pat said, um, and ECIA comes in and they do a gut rehab. 
one has already sold. We have a second one that the sale is pending on, and we have a third one up for sale, and we have three more ready to get ready on the gut rehabs. Um, that has really helped. We've hit targeted areas where we've got crime in the areas, plus their uh, low-income housing. Mm -hmm. So they're gutting them down to the studs, and they're like brand-new homes when they're done. Wow. So they've got wow. everything has been gutted down to the studs, the flooring. So they have all new doors, windows, insulation, everything on these homes. So we take a house from the demo list, basically, and give it new life, completely revitalize that house. And in turn, it does a great deal to revitalize that neighborhood. Yeah, that, that is, is amazing. That has to be super rewarding to watch the process as well. It is. It's neat to see as they've uh, as they go through the gut rehab, seeing the houses go from next to nothing of being on the like Rich said on the demo list to seeing new walls and new flooring up. We've also sold ten properties to residents that are in the process of rehabbing them themselves to then either sell or rent or flip. So we've got ten properties that we started with last between last year and now. We just sold one. Two months ago was our 10th one we sold out to wow. residents to uh, start moving and getting them cleaned up, straightened up. And those come off the demo list or we're next to being on the demo list if we didn't get something done with them. Right. Yeah. And the, and the not only is it good for that, those singular properties, it, it helps the neighborhood. And of course, it helps the city. You've got an active property that's paying property taxes again. And it, it helps out the city's investment because cities... Well, you know, folks, I'm going to tell you this right now. The city's going to have to spend some money. Typically, if you want to, as a city government, as a community, uh, rectify some of these issues, you're likely going to have to use some of the city's financial resources to get it done. You just are. And I know that's a tough, uh, tough budget uh, question for a lot of uh, city councils out there. But uh, for what I see around the state, that's what it takes. You're going to have to have some local investment to get it done. One thing I wanted to get back to, because, Rich, you talked about ordinances. And this is something that the league, we try to stress every time we talk about nuisance abatement, we do our conference, we do any kind of workshop on nuisance abatement, we talk about you have to start at the start, which is the city's ordinances. So Pat, as a city attorney, and you work with Clinton, you worked with you work with a lot of cities around the state, I'm sure you can talk about the importance of having strong ordinances and clear ordinances to enable the city to go out and enforce the code. Yeah, it's it's something that Rich is constantly working on. He's he's made a number of proposals to the ordinance, and we've brought those ordinances forward. And most of them have passed, although we had one disappointment last night, which we're still working on trying to correct that. Uh, one ordinance in particular that, and and maybe Rich and Tammy can comment on how effective it's been. But we passed a, an abandoned building registry ordinance, mm -hmm. which we just, and in fact, we just that's working its way through council to be modified right now to increase the penalties if you're on this registry. And it's a way for staff to keep track of buildings that are super problem properties and try to keep pressure on those owners to get off that registry so they can stop paying these fines that they pay for being on them. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, awareness is a big part of, of what assists with nuisance abatement. You know, the more on the skyline, properties are and the more on the list they are the more uh more effective we can be to target them and deal with them but i i echo your sentiment i mean 
the biggest problem I've had is going in front of the magistrate and the magistrate says, well, tell me exactly how they violated the code and we're nebulous and we don't have a specific provision. So we've, uh, we've tried very hard to modify the codes to reflect all the conditions that we run into so that the next time something happens, we've got something that directly covers that, especially in the nuisance sections and in the dangerous building sections. Absolutely. And that's one of the questions we wanted to get to as well is, is what can a city do to hopefully avoid legal challenges, but uh, at the same time, understand that at any given time, any, any portion or any part of a nuisance abatement process, uh, the property owner could take it to court. So Pat, getting back to you, uh, the ordinances, as you mentioned, is probably one of the ways you can hopefully prevent even going to court and, and being challenged legally, that they're clear and consistent. Uh, but it also, how do you prepare as a city to defend any of the actions you've taken in a nuisance abatement procedure? Well, the biggest thing is Tammy and Rich's file. Mm -hmm. If they've taken every step that's required under the ordinance, I'll see that the second I get it. And I'll know that we're covered. We've done everything correctly. The second thing I'd say is anytime there's any kind of money involved, if we're going to take property and haul it to the dump and it's going to be worth some money, we usually will go the municipal infraction route to ensure that the due process happens at the court level. It's very, very hard to challenge anything the city does when you have a, an ironclad court order that says you can do this. Mm -hmm. In other words, you can tear this down if by this date they don't fix it, or you can haul all of this stuff to the dump and get rid of it if they don't fix it by this date. And we bring a, a proposed order in. We don't rely on the court to write its own order because what they'll do is they'll do the easiest thing and they'll issue a fine which doesn't really do us any good i mean we like to get those fines paid but mm -hmm. the the community's still upset that nothing's been fixed right so the right. the big thing that tammy and rich are always complaining about what they always pay attention to is what's the order say you know can you get me this order and if it doesn't say what they need it when it needs the staff to have it say then we've just failed so yeah and we like it and pat's team's always been very good when we go for a nuisance cleanup we we're requesting the judge give us injunctive relief um because then we can hold that owner to that injunctive relief for whatever time frame the judge gives us and if they violate it then they're back in court for contempt of court right right and we've also um working with our local magistrate and district courts um, we also utilize an administrative search warrant often to get in to look at the property to ensure that um, the nuisance is, you know, meets code. And so we also use the administrative search warrants quite a lot. Mm -hmm. That's also that due process. Then the big thing is document everything. Take photos, any any correspondence, any communication that you're sending out to, to the property owner or a tenant, make sure it's in writing, make sure it's certified, have all that documentation. So when you turn it over to legal, um, they can see step by step what we've done. They've got everything confirmed. And then when we go in front of a judge, there's less confusion. So we're always consistent in our enforcement and we're always consistent in the documentation of, of what we see out there at the um, during those violations and inspections. You know, and our, our mindset has changed over the last few years. It used to be just go clean it up. Um, mm -hmm. And now we are holding owners accountable. 
whether it's a dangerous building or it's junk vehicles or garbage and stuff, we're holding them accountable. We'll take them to court and we'll get the court order that forces them to do it. You know, our administration beliefs is why should the taxpayers pay for this mm-hmm. and, and get it cleaned up or take care of it when the property owners need to do it. So we've really pushed forward to find those owners and make them accountable, which has helped with me being over at the police department out of there. We've got other systems to locate people. You know, they, they can't really hide from us like they used to with the resources out of the police department. And the properties we had multiple issues with, once we get that injunctive relief, it tends to stop further issues. So it allows us to move on to other violations, other concerns, other areas. Right. Yeah. I mean, this, this, your guidance and your, uh, your suggestions are just spot on. And I, I hope and I would tell our listeners to go back and re- re-listen to those last few minutes, because that is exactly what you need to be doing as a city government. Um, it, it's, you have to be careful and you have to be consistent. Uh, it's, it's tricky at times, but if you have good codes and you've got good legal representation, you got good city staff members, document everything and following through consistently, you can, you can do some amazing work in your community. Um, so wrapping up, I just want to put you all on the spot to see, uh, because a lot of this work is tough. You know, you're, you're not going to make a lot of friends when you're a code enforcement officer or when you're a city attorney um, pushing nuisance abatement uh, issues. But do you have any uh, favorite stories or, or rewarding stories uh, from your time at, at, in city government that you may want to share with our listeners? Well, I can, I can start with a, uh, a large dangerous building case I had where I ended up getting a personal judgment. Uh, we we got not only the injunctive relief we wanted and got control of the building and had a, the ability to do what we needed to, but the individual was, he had money. He just wasn't paying any attention to the buildings he owned. And he ended up having a personal judgment. The judge converted it over to a personal judgment at our request. And he cut a check to us for a gigantic six figure sum of money, uh, which the city was tickled to get that because our fees were nowhere near that obviously. And, they they covered a lot of their expenses for the year this was not clinton this was a different property and that's always rewarding when that happens when you have somebody that knows they should have done something a long time ago and they don't want to have a personal judgment following them around so they pay a giant chunk of money and you tell the city holy cow look at this money we got so usually it's a big black hole like you said mickey and in that case it wasn't right right that's cool how about you tammy just you know, I don't sunshine. know just one instance that stands out. It, it's just nice knowing on a daily basis, our job, it does stink and it is hard and we do not make friends out there. I was right. born and raised in Clinton, just like Rich Pat was too. So, I mean, we, it's not a huge town. I still know a lot of people here. My family lives here, but it, it's, I come in and it's, you do your job. It's just a job. But I always said since I started this, it's cleaning Clinton up one property at a time. Every every property we get cleaned up, and I know my very first one with the court order um, that we got cleaned up actually ended up on uh, the League of Cities webpage or their your magazine mm-hmm. a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Yes, um, that one was my very first court order cleanup. Also broke my wrist on that property. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but that that was a a. a 
a very good feeling to get that property that had been that way for years in an eyesore right there at a boat landing. Uh-huh. Wow. So, but it, it is, it's one property at a time and, and you just, you, you make people mad, but you just can't let it bother you. Right, right. You can't. I mean, this is part of working in the public sector, working in local government. You're just, there's going to be times you're going to upset a few folks, but you got a job to do. And Rich, with your law enforcement background, I'm sure you understand that quite well. <laughs> do you have any yep. stories you want to share? Well, the one I can give that really kind of popped in my head is, is I had a, a multi-unit property that was in uh, disrepair. Um, unfortunately, we're put in positions where as a city, we have to go in and tell the tenants, it's time for you to go. Yeah. You, you can't stay here anymore. It's unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big component in education. I, I think meeting with, with property owners, meeting with the community, educating them on our ordinances, educating them on our, on, on what we do is a, is a very important aspect of our job. And in this process, I began meeting with property owners and, and the tenants and identifying ways that we can help the tenants. It was a lot, rather large complex. And through this whole process, um, people who were very anti-building and neighborhood services, anti-Clinton uh, Police Department because a nuisance, anti-city. By the time this process was over, they were our biggest advocates because wow. it, it, working with us, they identified that we are doing something for the betterment of the city. We're not just out, you know, picking on to get people. Them. Right. Um, so I I find um, that rewarding is where. I have the opportunity to meet, meet with, work with people who even are very against what we're doing, but then at the end of the process, we may not see eye to eye, but we, we shake hands and we move on. Um, to me, that's been the rewarding part of it. To give Tammy kudos is I was just in a meeting uh, a couple days ago and um, somebody who lives in another municipality north of us made a comment that there's a huge difference between driving down our North 4th Street four years ago and today. A huge yeah. difference. They were so impressed on just driving down the street and their first impression of the city of Clinton was a street that had uh, vacant and abandoned buildings all over the place, you know, 18 inches, 19 inch grass growing in yards. It was just a bad first impression. It was one of our major th- thoroughfares. You don't see that today. When you drive down, I I, uh, I like the fact that we get those kudos from other communities when they come in and, and see the difference. Absolutely. It makes it all worthwhile. And we want to thank you all for joining us and having a great conversation on the square. Really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your experiences, sharing your expertise. Uh, it's a, Again, it's a topic uh, that all cities encounter and need help with at times. So I think this is gonna be very helpful for our listeners. Thank you all. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yes, Mickey, that was great. I That was super inspiring. I hope that a lot of our cities can, when they listen to that, realize that it's a tough job, but clearly it makes such a difference. And I know our nuisance abatement conference is coming up, Mickey, and just to kind of give our listeners a little bit more detail, what kind of topics can um, attendees expect at that event? 
Yeah, well, actually, we'll be covering all sorts of things. We'll be talking about effectively identifying nuisances, uh, how to be proactive and beautify your community doing some beautification projects. We'll also be hearing from Pat and the, the gang at Lynch Dallas about acquiring abandoned uh, and derelict properties when it comes to that, it's, which is, again, is a tricky subject, but Pat and his mm -hmm. folks over there at Lynch Dallas have just done tremendous work on that and are great resources for cities. So it's going to be a fun day. It, it's uh, uh, like today, we, you know, some of these topics are tough. They're, they're very challenging for cities, but you got to do it and you got to do it well. Uh, so we're looking forward to it. Yeah, awesome. And I know that that event always sells out quick. So I encourage all of our cities to get registered for that. And you can find information about it in our weekly newsletter, League Weekly. Like Mickey mentioned earlier, it comes out on Tuesdays. And there's also will be information on our social media, as well as our website. You got it. And everybody go for yeah. visit Clinton. It's a beautiful river town. Get over there and enjoy it this summer. And again, thanks to our uh, our guest today. Thanks to you, Katie. And I hope everybody has the a great rest of April. And we'll, we'll talk to you in May. Yeah.